0: This. Hello and welcome to the Here Be Dragons podcast. Your podcast to those kitesurfing spots that are off the beaten track. And in case we cover a spot that is on the beaten track, we will give a new spin to it. Enjoy the show. Hello friends and welcome to the Here Be Dragons podcast, the best podcast to the most amazing kite and windsurfing spots on the planet. My name is Björn and I'm recording this from the landlocked country of Switzerland. And where are we going to take you today, let me tell you. In case you're going to visit this place, please bring your sunglasses, your board shorts and probably an underwater camera. What you do not need to bring is your wetsuit. And if you're rubbing into coconut oil on your skin to get that deep, deep, deep suntan, also no need to bring it, plenty of it there, because today we'll take you to the Cocos Keeling Islands. The Cocos Keeling Islands were apparently discovered by William Keeling in 1609. However, this remains a highly disputed fact until this day. He actually did not plant a flag there. Neither did he bring a soil sample, and most importantly, he didn't put it on a sea map. So probably Captain Keeling, who by all measures was a legend mariner, was bullshitting a little bit in this case. Anyway, the island first showed up on the Dutch sea maps in 1658. They were English territory until the 1950s, who then handed over the territory to the Australians, and since then it's been part of Australia. It's about 1,000 kilometers south of Sumatra and approximately 3,000 kilometers northwest of Perth, Australia. It is a true paradise, and even better, it's a truly kitesurfing paradise. But before we get into the interview, I wanted to give you two tips on how you could potentially improve your listening experience to the podcast. If you open the show notes, you will find, first of all, a URL to a map. On that map you will find pinpoints that are either spots or points of interest and next to a short description you will also notice an indication at what time in the podcast episode we talk about this specific spot so this should help you find your way around the second one is that also in the show notes there are some links to videos i found on the internet definitely not the only ones available but ones I thought would give you a very good visual impression of the Keeling Islands. So, enough of me rambling. And now without further ado, let's go to the interview. Today I have the pleasure to welcome Jen Phillips. Jen Phillips is the founder and owner of Sefer Kite Tours. Jen runs the company and they have made it their mission statement to take kaiters to truly unique and awesome destinations. Until now, and I have to stress until now, their main destination has been the Cocos Keeling Islands. And I must say, really a perfect spot to cover on the podcast. 24-7 winds, picture-perfect beaches, and a totally unique culture, which I hope Jen will talk a little bit about in more detail. It's located in the middle of the Indian Ocean. Well, not really in the middle of the Indian Ocean, but I think you get what I'm saying. It's probably one of the most remote atolls on the planet, I would say a perfect match for the mission statement of the company. I just said main destination because Jen told me offline that there are some plans to expand to new destinations and maybe we can get an inside scoop uh, later on in the podcast where she can tell us a little bit about what her plans are. Jen has spent the past 18 years discovering traveling the best kitesurfing spots around the world and now she enjoys the business side of it leaving the tour guiding teaching and hosting to her professional, and especially passionate team. Jen, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Hello, thank you for having me, Bjorn.
0: Tell us a little bit about your background, and how did you end up doing what you're doing now?
1: Oh, um, well, guess it started when I was six, when my parents, uh, we'd go camping, and they taught me to windsurf back in the 80s, and, you know, big boards, big sales. I was so small, my dad, like my mum's soda sale. my dad engineered like a master of the boom, and I windsurf. and then at 21, um, I was a zookeeper, I was at uni, and I had this, I was a windsurfer, which is unusual, and I had a friend, and we both decided to go to Fiji on a windsurfing holiday, and so I was a windsurfer, and um which is quite unique for Australia because not many people. Um, everyone windsurfed in the 80s, but, you know, it kind of phased out. It got big and heavy and difficult. So um, I was still a and My friend and I, we went to Fiji with a group of people from Melbourne and I took my big heavy board and I took my big aluminium mast. I still couldn't even water start. Um, went to Fiji for 11 days. We had half a day of wind. and. It was the best holiday that I ever had. <laughs> and I, I didn't even get to windsurf. It rained. There was no winds. It, was, it had to be the worst windsurfing holiday you could go on. And for some reason, it changed my entire life because one of the guys on tour said, did you know that you can travel around the world and teach windsurfing? And I got home. I quit uni. I dropped my boyfriend. I moved interstate, So I moved to Melbourne and um became a windsurf instructor so that's sort of where that started and then of course it, within a few years i became um a windsurfing trainer and i went to overseas to greece i went to england to hope to get some work in the european centers and i got a job with um club vasiliki in in greece um they were awesome, loved and love working with them and they, I pretty much base my business these days on, on them, um, on the what I learned there and uh, I was lucky enough to go to Venezuela in the year 2000 and kite surfing had just um, started. So, yeah, so I was windsurfing and teaching windsurfing there and had a go of a kite and um, and it was funny because I, when I left Melbourne, my boss said, oh, kitesurfing will never take off because they can't stay upwind. And I was in Venezuela. I had a go and I couldn't keep it upwind because I was so small. I'm I'm only a small person and I, if I wanted to, you know, stock I'd have to fall off because the boards were so big. I came back a year later and everyone was staying upwind. The shop I worked in had kites. Um, you know, no one windsurfed anymore.
0: How mistaken was he? Was he? guide surfing will never take off
1: <laughs> no he said it will never take off unless they can start going upwind <laughs> so um the years we were in in australia they were just going downwind on big old windsurf board. so it was it, yeah that's how i got into it and um i was hooked i just i wanted to travel the world and i wanted to be in the water so that's it so a few years after the coming home as a um, professional windsurfer and a, and a kite surfer I became um, I think maybe the first or second girl female windsurf kite surf instructor and I opened a kite school um, kite surf windsurf and kayak school in Victoria and of course um cold in winter and I needed to find my own tropical paradise and you know that's where when I found Cocos.
0: Yes because that's what I wanted to ask you I mean you have been around the world and you've seen a, a significant number of spots and I mean Cocos Keeling is a beautiful place but it is remote so I thought why did you set, set up shop in Cocos Keeling?
1: Uh, well no one was doing it there well actually that's a lie there was somebody taking people kite surfing there but it wasn't so much of a professional gig and um coming from across the country from the east coast to the west coast of Perth and then having to fly that distance again further west it was a lot of investment of my time and energy to take people there and money. I had no money of course and it was awesome. We we went there um I knew I needed to find something some somewhere to go in winter um for not only for myself but my clients um, I went to Vietnam the same year, like a few weeks earlier. Um, It was okay, but, um, you know, there wasn't anything unique. Anyone could go. It was a bit dirty. It wasn't that windy. And three weeks later, I went to Cocos. And the the way I found Cocos was I was living in this small country town where I had my windsurf, kitesurf school. And a friend of my boyfriend's at the time was sitting there watching his friend windsurf, and he goes, you should come to Cocos. And I said, oh, you know, I've heard of that because there was a windsurfing school there. And uh, he goes, yeah, I live out there. And this guy's um, out there as a market guard, like trying to grow veggies and stuff. And um, he goes, it's windy all the time. And I'm like, that's not true. There's nowhere like that. And he's like, no, nah, it's windy all the time. You should come out. And um, a few of us went out there and we were there for three weeks and it did not stop. It didn't drop under twenty knots for three weeks.
0: This is maybe a good segue to the wind. What I think is pleasant about the Cocos Keeling Islands—I've never been there myself—but you experience the trade winds, don't you? Yes. So it's a very stable wind, and one of the advantages it has is that it blows twenty-four-seven. It blows the whole day and almost every almost every day at a very stable. Very stable. It's between 15 and maximum 25 knots. Isn't it something in, in this range?
1: It depends. Like it these, yeah, we, we do get stronger. But yes.
0: So when is the best time to visit?
1: So the trade winds come through the top of, through, from the Pacific through the top of Australia across that um, straight area and then blow off through to, into the Indian Ocean. They do, they do come in around June, um, May and June. They start. And they start fading out around November, December. But what happens is you'll get one day a week of wind and then you'll get two days a week of wind and then three days a week of wind. And as it starts getting into sort of June and July, by July, you'll get seven days of wind. And you'll get that for July, August, September. And then up by October, November, December, it starts fading back out again.
0: What months are you open in um, on the Cocos, Keeling Island?
1: So Zeva Kite Tours runs um, pretty much all all inclusive kite tours for people from Perth. Well, from Perth they fly. We greet them at the airport on Crocus, look after everybody, um, and then pop them back on the plane again. So it's an all inclusive um, tour that we offer, um, all based around kite surfing with a little bit of adventure and culture put in there. But we do it from July to September. Um, it, we we used to and we can also do it longer, but we found that the customer base um, for Australia mainly um, don't tend to travel outside of that time. Um, and also because it, it is quite expensive, the cost of living out there is quite expensive. It's obviously more economical for us and our clients to for us to be there in a short amount of time. So I try and you know we're there in the thick of it. We're there when the best wins are. And the best time is.
0: And your your client base at the moment is primarily Australians, I presume.
1: It is. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, because Australians are cool, but <laughs> I would like <laughs> Unfortunately, um, I, I really love to see more Europeans. Except the
0: ones from Darwin, huh?
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just the Perth the the for the Europeans or for anybody outside of Australia, for us all, we have to go to Perth to fly to COVID.
0: That's really the only possibility or ha- hit your right with the Australian naval uh, Navy. Uh, that's... You
1: could get a boat. Yeah, you can get a boat. Some people try that, but you know, <laughs> I have had quite a few Swisses and Germans and um, uh, English people, some Americans. They, if people do make the trip, they will come again, but it's just investing that time and that money to come out there because they're, there is nothing else like it in the world and if you got that time and the money it's worth it but it's
0: you have to invest a little bit more money and time
1: absolutely but then you
0: have then you have a secluded place to yourself mm. where you have perfect conditions and you don't have to circumnavigate Across twenty jet skis, correct, and uh, five speedboats with these huge inflatable bananas behind them, with ten drunk tourists on top of them. That's true. You have to make this investment uh, nowadays and take the effort to to get to these remote locations.
1: I, I totally agree, and I think the type of podcast that you're doing and this, this, the the way that you're, you know, the Heebie Dragons is this perfect opportunity for the, for promoting that type of travel. So that's what makes me excited to talk to you because the people that I talk to and the people that do come out to Crocus are those people, adventurous people. You know, they 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 get it. It's it's everybody else that that you know need to learn that if that's what they want, they've got to try this different type. You know, they've got to get off the beaten track and go to those sort of sort of places.
0: You said Perth is the only possibility, really, to get over by plane.
1: For Non-Australians, I recommend coming if you want to go to Crocus, you come to in September, go to Crocus, preferably spend another some time on Christmas as well because while you're there, you may as well. It's absolutely spectacular. And they're totally opposite to Crocus Island. No kite surfing there, but, you know, amazing diving, nature. It's like this massive mountain with these big prehistoric trees. But then you come back to Perth and then you do the Perth you know, the WA coast and you kite surf all the way up and down the desert and it's just spectacular um, in spring. So that that to me is is a, is a the most epic trip that anyone could do.
0: <laughs> can you describe a little bit the outline of the Cocos reeling Islands? Going clockwise at 12 o'clock, you have the Horsburg. I'm Dutch by nature. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> Hors- that, it's Hors- Horsburg.
0: Horseborough. Yeah. <laughs> then you have a little bit of a smaller island, uh, which is called Direction Island. It's around one o'clock.
1: And that, and I must say that just won the best beach in Australia. Is that so? It's amazing. Yeah, it truly is. It's also
0: where all the all the yachts yes. uh, put out their anchor, isn't it? Correct. It's really the only place in the atoll where you can drop your anchor. Correct. And next to that, you have Home Island, which is where most of the people live.
1: So the um, the Crocus Malay people live on Home Island. they are a Muslim community that have been living there for about two hundred years. Um, they've, they have indigenous rights and ownership to some of the islands. Um, that 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 was. Um, applied to them from the UN and the Australian government in the sort of seventies and eighties, so they are classified as indigenous and um, and a Muslim-friendly culture.
0: Can you stay there? Actually, does it doesn't make sense to stay there? Or no. do they have hotels? Or
1: mm, you you can. There, there is two options to stay. There's a bed and breakfast there um, with one of the um, lovely families um, in the in their home uh it could be a site like beside their home. And there's also an amazing um the original house of the king. He is a sort of a self proclaimed king, but he had ownership of um the islands, the Cluny's Ross. They built this amazing uh house that now a private um is is owned privately by um uh, Lloyd and Avril, and they have restored it. It's like antiques. It's uh, it's absolutely amazing. It's like a throwback in time. This big English colonial mansion on this tiny tropical atoll, and you can actually stay in that house with them, and they'll provide an amazing um, experience for you um, on Home Island. The difference between the two is if you stay in uh, Oceana House. You know, it's like staying in a big old hotel um, mm-hmm. with Western rules, so you can drink and you can um, swim and and all that sort of stuff. But staying in the Muslim community, which Home Island generally is, they are a non um, you know they're a non-drinking community. Um, they're very modest. They're Muslim. They pray. So, you know, you can't get around in a bikini. You've got to cover your shoulders. You've got to have a shirt on. All that sort of stuff. Okay. So they're not particularly open to, to tourists, but they're definitely friendly and welcome. So, but as from kite surfing, it's offshore and you, you wouldn't kite there anyway. You know what I mean? So.
0: Just the, the non-drinking disqualifies it probably for 90% <laughs> of the kiters.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. But don't worry because the on the West Island, the one where we uh, live and kite is um, the absolute opposite
0: going further clockwise then you have a plethora of other smaller islands and then you have a a huge island which is called South Island
1: yeah so going clockwise um from um Home Island so you're right so it's Horsburgh then Direction and this tiny tiny little one called Prison Island which you'd see there but it might not have a name then you've got Home Island where the Lane live and then you've got this big island it's called it's called South Island but it's probably got about maybe 17 or 18 islands in that and then you have a few little other ones Pulablan, Pula Blan Pula, um, Pula 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 Mada, and then Pula Mariah, which is absolutely beautiful just off the coast of West Island which is the big long one obviously on the west it's a bit more like a fishhook you know it looks and that's that's West Island, so that's the one with the settlement. That's the one with the the airport. Um, it's the one with the pub. It's the one with the golf course, and it's the one with um, the kite school on it.
0: Where you when you uh, where you are based, and that's really uh, an Aussie enclave, isn't it?
1: It's as Aussie as you can get.
0: So horrible BBQ all the time.
1: <laughs> yeah, singlets, barbecue, thongs. Yeah. If you have some sausages.
0: We will we'll come to the hazards and dangers, but I have uh, <laughs> as as one of them I have written down Aussie BBQ. Aussie, Aussie
1: barbecue, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. <laughs> and uh, and the other one is sharks, but let's come to that later. the The whole lagoon is it's around ten kilometers east to west and around fifteen south to north, isn't yeah. it? Something like that. Yeah. You could actually guide her from one side to the other if you want to,
1: and we do, yeah. So it's so it's a horseshoe shape with that um, horse island at the end. Um, and I have to mention, there's actually 27 island. There's 26 islands in that little circle we've been talking about, but there's actually a 27th island which is called North Keeling Island, which I think is 20 or 25 nautical miles north of the main 26 islands, um, and yeah, that's, um, that's a national park. It's absolutely amazing, full of birds. Um, but um, of the 26 um, islands of the Crocos Atoll, it's just the top of a volcano. And so on the inside of that, up towards South Island and the top end of – or the south end of West Island, it's, uh, it's very shallow water. So the, the wind and the waves hit that southern, southeast end, and then – it sort of fills up the lagoon from that end and then starts flowing deep out in towards the open channel towards Horsburgh. And so it gets deeper and deeper as you go towards the mouth. And, yeah, it's it's 15 kilometres long. We often kite. So one of our main attractions and things that we try to do with all of our kite surfers on our tours is do a lagoon crossing. So we leave from West Island at Kite Beach and we kite surf across to Home Island, which is, or the top south island and then inside that uh, home island the sort of south side of home island there's amazing um sandbar and a little bit of a gap where the wind comes through between the islands and it's just epic surfing in front of that big house that's about 10 kilometers 15 kilometers then we come out down the channel and then we come back into prison island often sitting on that like resting on there and then we launch again and then go downwind again onto and kite surfing, uh direction islands where that the most beautiful beach in australia is
0: i mean the lagoon itself looks i mean it's apart from from kite surfing. I in mean, the depth i looked at the sea charts at the nautical charts it goes down from two meters to four to 15 to three to six uh, for diving it must be fantastic
1: i've dived it's nice um the thing about diving on the propus is the the variety of fish that you get there sea life so you can swim with a dugong there's only one and you can swim with that dugong it's called cat cat the dugong um you can at the same time swim with the manta rays and the dolphins and the turtles and the little you know it doesn't have great coral and great colors you'll get that on christmas island but you'll but it's got really good dives sites all around the island and it's it's a unique dive
0: the variety of species of sea life is 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 amazing correct but the corals you say or if you want to go typical coral reef diving it's maybe a little bit better on christmas island
1: correct yeah the diving the diving is better like the what you, yeah the corals the colors are, is better on on christmas it's built for that
0: Jen, let's talk a little bit about the spots yeah and i wanted to read something from i don't have my glasses but basically um if you're a windsurfer either you're a pussy and you go into the lagoon <laughs> or you're a dare or you're a daredevil and you go on the leeward side of the of the island
1: what was that for wind was that for windsurfing i didn't say that
0: <laughs> in the guide it says really windsurfing only and i understand it because it's um it's a lee shore so on the other hand you must have you must get one of the most amazing waves because it's coming out from the south, more or less uninterrupted for six thousand kilometers.
1: We don't talk about it.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> 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 um. But back to the windsurfers, and if you've been a pussy, um, I didn't, I didn't write that, and I can imagine who did say that because the first. <laughs> no, <it's>
0: it, <laughs> it doesn't say that. No, <laughs> <how> it doesn't. <laughs> <are>. <laughs> I said it differently a little bit, man. Oh.
1: Uh. No, it's true though. It's it's actually it's very true whether it's for kiting or windsurfing. Um, the thing is, is that uh, you're right. In the lagoon, you know, it's nice winds, and on the lee side, you've got offshore winds. So, and it can be big. The waves can be really big. There's one spot, only one spot that actually holds up for a wave, and all the rest is just that crashing waves onto an outer reef. You know, and the first, the first year we went out there in, um, in what was it, 2005. So it's actually the 12 years I've been going out there. I made a mistake earlier, but um, 12 years ago when we went, it was Felix Pivik um, and the uh, Rio Stevens and I think one other guy. And they, they were out there kite surfing the outside reef, and they got hammered. They got absolutely nailed, but they did it because obviously they're you know pro riders
0: these two spots are are more or less for us mortals yeah they are not surfable
1: no no from it no yeah so they're, they're offshore um and there's nowhere to launch and land and there's no boats out there because if you okay. drop your kite even 10 meters off the beach you'll end up in um you know like how many thousands of kilometers of ocean Forever.
0: so how is it for the wind surfers? do they use the spots a lot
1: if the lagoon is tidal, so so we as a kiter you can kite for longer you know windsurfers surfers have got the bigger fins and all that sort of stuff but they could go out further but with Zephyr kite too is what we do because we've got the boat and we've got the cars and we've got the group what we do is if six or eight hours of kiting isn't enough for people a day <laughs> um we kite the. Down in another spot called the sweet spot. So um, it's or the Long Beach, which and you can always kite that, you can kite that at any tide. But you've got to remember if you go out too far into the lagoon, so if you were to imagine you were kiting out and back in, the wind, if you go too far, you'll come off the end of that island, which is where we were, the end of the island. So if you kite um, across the wind from Long Beach, and if you go out too far, so out to where the dark, first dark blue is, and say you have a kite accident there, or your kite goes down, you could get blown past the end of the island out into the ocean.
0: So don't don't lose your kite here, or so don't crash here, because the, the yes. next stop is uh, is Malaysia probably, or something, uh, or India.
1: Um, actually, I think probably India you <laughs> another fantastic spot. Just south of Long Beach. We call that the sweet spot.
0: I mean, it's probably like butter, isn't it?
1: It is because you can't see on that map, but there's these islands there and you can kite behind the islands. You can only do that at high tide.
0: So it's flat, flat, flat.
1: It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. There's turtles everywhere. And just up in inside the lagoon from that, we call that the turtle playground. So sweet spot is only at low tide and it's also restricted by the aeroplanes too because you'll see it's right at the end of the runway. So you're not allowed you need airport permission to go there um which we which we get when we do go. There. We do downwinders probably every two every second day.
0: Okay. So you start in Kite Beach and you go down there. So on the east side of the island. Mhm. The wind is side-on. Are there any spots there where you can kite surf?
1: We haven't found any. Um, again, we you need a boat everywhere. It's so remote. It's so dangerous and raw and, you know, like... Uh, remember when I said before we do a lagoon crossing and inside just the corner of Home Island there's a beautiful samba? It's pretty much just inside of that grey marker but inside the lagoon, not on the outside. And anywhere... In that corner of Home Island is an amazing kite surfing spot. It's excellent. It's really good kiting there. But again, you don't want to drop your kite once you get into the dark blue bits.
0: Yeah, okay. Because next stop again is India.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever have any guests ending up in India?
1: No. But we (laughs) we had one two years ago who said... I want to do a lagoon crossing. And we were like, you've got to wait, you've got to wait. And there was this big rain squall that came in and he said, oh, I'm going to do it today. And we said no. And then we couldn't find him. And this big rain squall came and we looked across the, the water and you, you can't, you know, it just it was a out And uh, we couldn't find him. And my manager, Ben, got in the boat and, and went over looking for him and couldn't find him anywhere. And what had happened was, this he dropped his kite two kilometers off the or, or a kilometer off that point where you've just written, um, you know, where the blue marker is there uh, at home island. And instead of swimming to and he got his lines tangled around some coral or something, and instead of walking back to home island, he thought he should swim 10 kilometers back to Kite Beach.
0: <laughs> you wanted to say the ferry cost, or what? no.
1: No one knows. <laughs> so, no Was he Dutch? No. He was,
0: he was. D- D- Dutch or Scottish?
1: <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 we, we found him. We um we got the police we we ended up getting some trying to get some uh the rescue people out, but uh we we found him and um it was fine.
0: Okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> a funny story. <laughs> but the I'm thing sure he was yeah, Dutch. the
1: thing the thing about crocus is um Anyone can go out there and kite surf um, outside of um, you know our organised zephyr groups, and um, you'll have you'll have a good time. But not having a boat and not having the local knowledge, you won't get the most out of you know going that distance. Because the whole the what the what's so good about the island is being able to go to all these islands with no people on it and do the adventures and you know we're the only ones that that have the boat and the local knowledge so yeah you can go there but you'll just you'll be really sort of confined to to that one beach for safety for safety more than any anything else yeah and um you know it's it's not often that I um I I don't know any business owner you know tour operator owner that's ever told their staff just to tone it down a bit because our clients are getting a bit tired but uh I have to do that often with my with my team and especially my manager. He Plans something every day, and he just he will get he will get everybody to every single corner and nook and cranny of that island. And um, everyone comes home exhausted. So
0: minus ten kilos, and <laughs> neck hurt.
1: Is there a non windy day coming? We need a day off.
0: One one other point I had about kite beach and you have the trained Ico
1: mm-hmm.
0: certified people there. I mean, it must be a perfect place to get your better half to learn to kite surf as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it really is. And you know, the thing about the better half, we know, we know it's women. It's it's the girlfriends. It's has got the girlfriend, and he wants to bring her on a holiday, and she wants to learn to kite. The thing about learning to kite surf on the Crocus for a woman is you can kite when you feel like kiting. So you know, we. We've got a lot of prerequisites. We've got a lot of things we have to do first or later or, you know, we can't just say, so, oh, wind's on, you've got to kite. Yeah, that's not how women work. Um, and that's the beauty of the trade win, like you were saying earlier, all day, every day. You don't have to wait till exactly 4 o'clock and be ready to go, you know. Whatever you wake up to is generally what you'll get for the day. Yeah, so that's that's the beauty of it. So teaching the other half, with it's shallow You know it's sandy. We don't have coral, so a lot of the Pacific Islands you have coral that cut your feet all the time. And yes, we do get cuts and stuff, but it's not as bad. It's not hard coral. Um, It's warm. It's windy. (laughs) We've got. I I forgot to mention before we do offer um, kite hire, and it's all the the best of north. So I have all the newest neos and evo's and Gonzales boards and all the new harnesses. So it's we use the best gear to teach people on
0: and for kids probably it's also excellent because it's very shallow so they can stand
1: yeah it, it is good unfortunately we don't get a lot of Australians bringing their families over um I would like to see a lot more people um bringing their kids over I've I we teach 11 years old upwards so for kids 11 to 16 year olds um it's ideal conditions we've got small kites shallow waters you know experienced instructors but I always make sure their parent is an experienced kiter or one parent is doing the beginner course with them. I'd love to see more kids on Cocos learning to kite. It would be absolutely just awesome.
0: It's a cost question, of course. I mean, flying yeah. with your whole yeah. family, you know, it gets into the budget. Absolutely. There is a medical facility on the island, isn't there?
1: Yeah, there's actually two hospitals on the Cocos. So, yeah, for about... Eight hundred people. It's pretty. Uh, it's a. It's pretty good service. So yes, there is a hospital if there's a problem, and if there's a big problem, that little aeroplane will come from Perth, pick you up, take you back to Perth. You know, sort you out over there.
0: Let's talk about the elephant in the room: sharks.
1: <laughs> there is no such thing. They don't exist. Yeah, they don't. There's no such thing. they do not exist they do not theres no such thing they are like a mythical creature. Okay.
0: <laughs> Dolphins in disguise.
1: I'm so sick of shark stories. I am sick of them because um, in Australia, on the East Coast, in Newcastle, in Queensland, it's all about shark, shark, sharks. Yes, they're dangerous. Yes, they take people. But I do have to clear something up, is that there are quite a few Crocus Islands around the world. And a lot of people mistake Crocus Keeling Islands with the Cocos Islands off the coast of Costa Rica. And it's the Cocos Islands off Costa Rica that is renowned for the sharks, the hammerhead sharks, the bull sharks, the whatever sharks, the dangerous sharks that everyone goes diving with, all that sort of stuff. Yes, there's sharks on Cocos Islands, but they're,
0: predominantly reef sharks, aren't they?
1: They are. And they're everywhere. They're absolutely everywhere. So we, we often find ourselves kiting with um, reef sharks, swimming with reef sharks, surfing, snorkeling. They're all there. Um, there are bigger sharks. Um, there's bronze whalers. Apparently, there are some tiger sharks. I've never seen them. Um, but to date, no one's been eaten by a shark on Cocos Island.
0: Yeah, especially the lagoon in the south. It's also far too shallow for them. They can't even get there.
1: True, but we don't know what's in those blue holes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: you were getting along so good, Jen, <laughs> by convincing everybody that there was no problem with sharks. And then you just said this. Hey, no, uh, I said
1: you don't know. I didn't say what. No, look, there's always stuff to talk for sharks. You know, wherever I go, I'm an Aussie. Oh, sharks, you know. Oh, you're going to cry in Australia? Watch out for sharks. Yes, they're there, but... You know, you have to choose what you want to do in life, don't you?
0: From the land animals, cats, dogs, goats, mm. and a couple of coconut crabs, or <laughs> are there?
1: Um, yeah, it's it's funny. The Cocos Islands have, um, when they were discovered and turned into a coconut plantation, if you, so the whole island was um stripped of its native bush and planted coconut trees for industry in the um 1900s, and um so obviously all the native like a lot of the crabs got um, died or got eaten and um, any native snakes or birds or whatever. There's not a lot of native stuff out there, unfortunately. Um, But um, yeah, they've had, it used to be the quarantine island for Australia. So quite a few years ago, there was six elephants. (laughs) You're kidding me. Yeah, there's been buffalo, ostrich. There's been all sorts of animals that have come through the island and
0: Ah, so they put them there in quarantine.
1: Yeah. So if you go and yeah, if you go on the map and you go over to the shack, yeah, all that area was the elephant enclosure. Oh, funny. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then they shipped them to to Australia.
1: Yes, we'd go down, we'd drive down to the surf, we'd be surfing, and we'd be hearing the elephants, like you know, making whatever noise they make, and um, it was pretty cool.
0: Pretty exotic. Um, where to eat and where to stay. If people book with you guys, you for a complete package, is it a must or people can take the complete back package?
1: Yeah, look, the thing about the Cocos is it's so remote and there's not a lot of people there tourist-wise, so it's really hard for businesses to provide a consistent service. And so... They, they try. There is a really good cafe there, Maxine. She does a great job. There's a few Malays that make um, the food, but, again, it's hard to get to a home island or it's hard for them to get over to West Island. So it's evolved that we do, yeah, we do provide the food. We have a cook. Um, we ship food in from um, uh, Perth or get it off the island or um, get the island uh, food providers to cook for
0: us. I have one question, golf, because Sorry, I saw one, you have two two videos out there. I think one is more recent than the other one was, I think a party, but it was, you were playing golf next to the airport. Actually, there is a sort of a golf course isn't there or
1: yeah. a couple
0: of holes at least.
1: Golf, it, it's funny because golf out on the Crocus is the most memorable thing. I think you, anyone does on the Crocus islands. Kite surfing's great. You know, snorkeling is great, but if you actually put in the time to go and play golf, you will get the true culture and nature of what these islanders are all about—the Aussies, anyway. So it's it's hilarious. It's a it's a runway that you have to hit off. So it's called Scrounger's Golf. I don't know. It's it's people know it as Bruce Golf, where you're in a team and you hit off, and um, the furthest ball wins in your group so you pick up your ball you drop it and then you keep playing on you register you get put in your group with one local and they're usually pretty pissed by this stage already (laughs) and you have to buy a six pack of beer and they give you an esky with ice and you stick it on your golf buggy and you're in your group and you have to hit off in front of everybody and you got to try not to hit the cop shop and it's not allowed to land on the runway
0: but is it actually a golf course? or Because I saw that there is actually a green.
1: It's a real-life um, golf course. It's a registered golf course.
0: With your permission, I will include in the show notes uh, the two videos. Sure. And you have one where this is golfing with the beer going on, and it's, it's pretty funny, actually.
1: It, that's what it is. It, and it's actually – it's proper, I don't know the technical name of it for a registered golf um, club, but it is a proper golf club where they do do tournament golf. But on Thursday nights, the locals go down – Oh, sorry, the tourists go down, you get pissed with the locals, and you, you, it's all about bagging each other out. And when you come back, you've drunk all your booze, you get back, and then you win these prizes or you win these – Um, I guess you're the loser and you have to drink out of either a boob cup or like a penis cup if you're a man okay. or a woman. And then you go to scull it, and then you go to the pub and eat chips and get pissed with all the locals. So, and the thing about the golf is that if you play golf with the locals, they will remember your name. They will say hi to you in the street. Even if you come back twenty years later, they will know exactly who you are, and they will be your friend forever. It's it's the most you know inclusive, fun, great. Um, the you know. Yeah, the best experience I think that you can do on Crocs, quite outside of kite surfing.
0: The staying is decent, but it's down to earth. Is yes, that would that be inappropriate? Good. Yeah,
1: I w- I would say that um the, the accommodation, the worst accommodation on the island and the best accommodation on the island is all exactly the same price. So you know why why live somewhere a bit crappy when you can live somewhere decent for the same price? You know so. We get, um, in our um, packages, I try and get the better accommodation based on availability. Some stuff just isn't available because there's not much there, but I get um, really nice accommodation. So it's really nice when you're there, but like you said, it's down to earth. Once you're there, we go to Kite Beach, it's off-grid. Once you play golf, you're getting a bit pissed and a little bit dirty. You know, once you go to Home Island, you've got to put on, you know, you've got to start, you've got to be good, put on your proper clothes, for cultural, you know, reasons, you get to Direction Island. You can run around naked if you wanted to, and you can go snorkeling and go, you know, go on the rip. And then, you know, it, it's just this crazy mix of, or you've got to be open. You can't be posh. You can't, you can't be posh and and have a good time on Crocus.
0: Then you should go to the Seychelles or the Maldives.
1: Exactly. You need the same amount of money, but you've got to be able to let you let let you. Let your hair down <laughs>
0: <laughs> um before I let you go, you in the intro mm-hmm. or in the intro you wrote me, you said you were planning some new destinations. Can you tell us something about that or
1: I can I can give keep you clues I'm not gonna yeah, I, I can't say just yet on where really, where we're going with um I mean Zephyr tours has been around for so long, and I have you know I have gone to other places. we've done tours to New Caledonia, Fiji. Um, Vietnam, and but what I find um, the best at a unique off the unique off-the-beaten-track places. So the Cocos has always been that that for me and for Zephyr. And um, I love the culture side of it. I love the adventure side of it. And what we're doing with Zephyr is trying to not just be a kite surfing holiday. When you come with us, we do suck. We do snorkeling. We go fishing. We, you know, kill the crabs. to get the fish to eat the fish, you know, we go to the golf, you know, all that stuff. What I've found, we're about to go to another destination in Australia that, um, to be honest, is very similar to um, the Cocos, but um, on the on the upside, positive side, it's uh, got a lot more culture. So we're more immersed in the actual local culture. Um, but in saying that, on the downside, it is going to be a dryer. It is dry. Unfortunately, no alcohol. But... What we're going to be doing with that is we're going to have we're going to have trade winds. We're going to have a lot of fishing, a lot of diving, a lot of stopping, um and uh, did I say kiting? Because we'll be kiting a lot. Um, but yeah, that's something that I think would suit your show. So maybe we we'll talk about it next year.
0: Absolutely. So Jen, to close off the interview, I will of course put all your contact details. Whether people can find you in the show notes.
1: That'd be great. Thank you.
0: What's the best, uh, best way go to the website or you have a Facebook yeah. page as well.
1: We have a Facebook page, uh, Zephyr, Tours, Zephyr Kite Tours. It will be on there, but the, fa- the, the website is the best. Um, it's the most up to date and um, it's got all the contact information that you need. Also got an Instagram page that um, is, that looks pretty good. So that's Zephyr Kite Tours on Instagram.
0: Jen, thank you very much. It was a very interesting discussion. Thanks for coming on the show and hope to talk to you soon in a year about your new destination.
1: Look forward to it. Thanks, Bjorn.
0: I sure hope you enjoyed that interview. But before we end the show, I wanted to ask you for three favors. First of all, please advise the show or refer the show to one of your kitesurf buddies so we get the audience up. Secondary, if you... Want to rate the show on iTunes, please do so. It will help other people find the show more easily. And third and most importantly, please subscribe to the newsletter on the website. You will find the info in the show notes so I can inform you when a new episode has arrived and what it's all about. And with this said, hope to talk to you in two weeks. Take care. Detroit,
1: did <laughs> <laughs> oh. <Blow. laughs>